The following podcast is a member of the Pokecasters Network. Pokecasters Network, supporting Pokemon content creators, their shows, and the community of Pokemon fans. To find out more, check out pokecastersnetwork.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 30 of the Pokemon Snapshot. How are we doing today, Tyler? Well, look, Jeff, let me tell you a little story about how my marriage almost ended because of this podcast. So the reason that we had to skip a week and why we are recording later is because I was going on a big tour with my little mini camper that I'm doing, and I'm camping in uh, Nebraska in the prairie somewhere. I'm not going to, you know, dox myself and tell exactly where. But I told my wife specifically, bring the laptop. We need the laptop so that I can type on it. Now, it's technically both of our laptops, but she uses it 95% of the time, right? You know how that works? Yep. You buy something yep. for both of you and they just steal it? Yes. And if you aren't married listeners, just know if you buy something for both of you, the wife owns it. Yes, exactly. So she has her laptop, and I tell her to bring it so I can type my script. I download the episode on Netflix. I'm ready to go. And then the day comes, and I go to do my script, and guess who forgot the laptop? It was Jessica Marie, my wife. Let me tell you, Jeff, I ended up typing the script to this episode while hunched over a knee-high table. It was technically a log that I set up on something, and I had both iPads set up, and I had to type on an iPad screen while I was doing the script while surrounded by prairie grass. It was ridiculous. I was like modern Laura Ingalls Wilder. Yes, you you definitely look like a Laura Ingalls Wilder, and I wish you would have. You tried to send me a picture, and it didn't go through, and I really wish I could have seen this picture. Yeah, I had very little cell reception. I was, like, cut off from the world. I could have, like, walked my wife into the prairie, been like, deuces, and taken off, and she never would have found her way back. And that's probably what's going to happen if she forgets the laptop again. <laughs> and, do, you know, do you realize that if you would have gotten stranded there forever, all you would have had was this one episode of Pokemon to keep your entertainment until the iPad eventually died? God, could you imagine the madness that would come from watching the same Pokemon episode over and over and over again as your only source of entertainment? Like, I suppose I could have done what Laura Ingalls Wilder did and, like, stared at trees and been fascinated by them or some or something, but that's not really my style. <laughs> But Tyler, I'm sure our listeners are happy that you did this for them and that we have an episode we may have had to miss a week. Uh, because of that, and also it was, you know, Easter weekend. If you would have saw our social post, I put that we were some chancies left some eggs out in our yard. Oh, it was the chancy that left the eggs. Okay. I was yeah. deeply concerned that my neighbors had done it and I was like a little worried about them. I'm not going to lie. But with that out of the way, telling that great story, Tyler, are we ready to get into the episode? Actually, before we get into the episode, don't let me forget to let everyone know that you can follow us on on Twitter at Pokemon Snapshot. You can email us at thepokemonsnapshot at gmail.com. And if you could, please go on the app listening app of your cho choice and leave us a review. All right, now, Tyler, are we ready to get into the episode? Oh, yeah, I'm get ready. I'm ready. I worked my butt off for this thing. All right, so we are watching the episode, and it is titled Sparks Fly for Magnemite. Or in Japanese, it was called Ducoil Dream of Electric Mice. 
That is very concerning as a title. So it actually, and I'm going to get into this later in the episode, but it actually has, it's based off of something. Okay. Well, then that will probably make it better. Yes. But I mentioned that later in our episode, so we'll, you'll have to wait until then. But this episode aired in Japan on October 21st, 1997, and in the United States on October 16th, 1998. All right, Tyler, let's get into our episode. We begin our episode in a depressing town called Gringy City. It looks truly dark and desolate with factories covering the horizon. The narrator says that barely anybody lives here. And to be honest, I can see why. It looks like you're basically walking around breathing in uh, cancerous materials. Like, this city looks disgusting. Yeah, it looked really bad. Like, it was smog all over the, all over the sky and everything. It looked pretty bad. Exactly. We then see Ash and his party walking down the street in the city. They should probably be wearing masks, but they are not. And Ash comments what a weird city this is with lots of factories and no people. So, and, and by the way, I should mention that the mask thing was not a COVID reference. It was just, you should probably wear masks when you're, like, breathing in literal air pollution. Yeah, not like medical masks, like gas masks. Yes, gas masks, for sure. So, Ash comments that it's a weird city, there's lots of factories, no people, Mr. Misty pulls out a little book and needlessly reads what the narrator just told us. Thanks, Misty! So the narrator, like, gives us this whole intro to the city, like, there's nobody here! It's full of pollution! And then Misty pulls out this little book and, like, there's nobody here! But there's lots of pollution! So, it's just this whole ridiculous thing. Brock then points out that pollution has ruined the air and the water here, and this is why everyone has moved away. And it makes me wonder, if the people are really gone, then who is running the factories? Either way, this is going to be a depressing episode, I think. Ash then comments that he guesses they won't be finding any Pokemon here. Just then, however, sparks start coming out of Pikachu's cheeks, and he faints. Ash bends over to pick him up and gets shocked. And I don't mean, like, shocked by something he sees. Pikachu literally shocks him. We then see a Magnemite peering around the corner, staring at them the way that I stare at my wife when she comes home with yet another family-sized Danish from Hy-Vee. Longingly, but also with a hint of disappointment. And for those of you who didn't watch the episode, Magnemite was, like, peeking around the corner and just staring into Pikachu's soul. Right, absolutely. Hence the Danish thing. Yes. Uh, also, if you are not from Iowa or the surrounding states, Hy-Vee is a chain grocery store where, where their slogan is always saying that where there's a helpful smile in every aisle, they sing it in like a jingle form. And I'm not going to sing it for you, but anybody who grew up in Iowa can sing their jingle on cue. And spoiler alert, I have never encountered a helpful smile on every aisle in Hy-Vee. I'm just saying. The only smiles in Hy-Vee are mine when I go to the pastry section. They have good Chinese food, too. Oh, yes. We call it high chai. It is fantastic. Jeff, I know I'm segueing here, but I just want to point out, and my former roommate Josh can corroborate this story, but one time when I was getting high chai, a uh, tiny little probably Chinese woman behind the counter serving up the food uh, says to me that I look like a movie star. I just wanted to point that out. She said I looked like a movie star. She did not say that to my friend and roommate Josh. Uh, he can confirm that story. So, 
ever since then, I've always thought, wow, I must be actually look like a movie star because that was just a very nice and completely random comment. It really boosted your morale there, didn't it? Hey, I am the eye candy of the show. It works. All right, just go on. We then see Ash running down the street with Pikachu in his arms. He says that they will be getting him to a Pokemon Center soon. We then see him approach a grungy or gringy looking Pokemon Center. Get it? Like gringy city, huh? Yes, yes, I got it. As they run in the door, we see a periscope sticking out of the sewer. Meowth is watching them and enter. He's basically watching them enter the center. Enter the center. That's a good one. Meowth explains what he saw as Jesse and James begin to do the little poem thing, but they quickly stop and begin gagging on the air because it stinks so bad. And I want to say that I completely get their struggle with stinky cities because I used to live downwind of Sewer City, a.k.a. Sioux City, Iowa. Drive down the interstate in that city and it will smell like actual sewage due to poorly placed sewage centers. Yeah, I had the same experience because I lived downwind from Muscatine, Iowa, which had soybean factories. And those really smelled. Like, if the wind was blowing just right, you could smell Muscatine from 25 miles away where I grew up. That's really ironic considering the town's called Muscatine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and another city in Iowa that I've heard is really stinky is Clinton, and they call it the armpit of Iowa because there is a Purina dog food factory in the town. Ah, uh, Purina dog food of all the dog foods, though, is really isn't that bad, tasting-wise, anyway. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I mean, I would. <laughs> you gotta taste the food you're giving your pets, Jeff. Okay. Uh, so, for all of those taking notes, Iowa has a lot of smelly cities, and as stated, as we stated before, the best-smelling city in Iowa is Cedar Rapids, which smells like oatmeal. It does smell like oatmeal. It's actually quite divine. Not like Sewer City that smells like human feces. And I'm sorry to anybody from Sioux City. I'm from Sergeant Bluff, and everyone from that area knows that people from Sergeant Bluff and the surrounding towns just sort of make fun of Sioux City. It's kind of what we do. <laughs> Meowth tells them to quit whining and put on their air freshener space-looking suits. So they're gagging on the smell in this particular city, and he's like, I brought you some suits. They've got air fresheners that blow into them. And then these suits allow them to breathe. He tells them that they will use these suits and the sewers to steal Pikachu. Jesse and James begin complaining and saying that they are doing this since it is humili- since they're saying that they're not doing it because it's humiliating. Jesse says she is sorry if this shocks him. Meowth then actually shocks them. So, ha, good pun. He shocks them as she says, I'm sorry if this shocks you. And, and then lowers them into the sewer water that we could all assume is filled with human feces. Team Rocket is reaching a new low in this episode. So, I originally had a note that said that they could do a few worse things, but when you put it that way, I guess this is the worst thing they could have done. Yeah, like they're, being, yeah, they're sub, they're submerging into fecal matter right now, Jeff. Yeah, and uh, again, I always find it fun to look for continuity, even though I know they don't plan it. But I was wondering if maybe they were using the essence of gloom that they stole from Celadon City for that air freshener. Oh, that's kind of an interesting point. I hadn't thought of that. It's always fun when we find that continuity that we know wasn't put there on purpose, but it's just kind of fun to figure out ourselves. Exactly. 
Back at the Pokemon Center, we see Ash dinging a bell at the counter calling for a nurse. The nurse walks out looking tired and chews them out for coming in so late. Because apparently, come, apparently if you have like an emergency in this particular town, the nurse doesn't want to see you if it's outside of normal business hours. The nurse then uh, explains that Pikachu just has a cold. So she's like, oh, look, Pikachu, he's got these sparks flying out of his cheeks. She's like, ah, oh, he's just got a cold. Ash asks if she is the oddball of the family, and she says that it is the other nurses that are odd. Really, Ash? So, so I want to point out, in my field of work, I work with children with autism, and one of the like programs we I've done with like some kids is we call it think it or say it moments. And this was definitely a think it moment. Okay, so Jeff could probably benefit from some of your autism lessons, is what you're saying? You mean Ash? Yes, that's what I meant. Yes, <laughs> Ash. Wow, what did I say? You you called Ash Jeff. <laughs> Maybe it was a uh, a uh, automatic response because I've been thinking it all along, Jeff. Maybe, but yeah. So with some of the children I work with, we do. Is that a think it or say it? You know, like, if it's something that's going to be mean, you should think it, not say it. So, when he goes, man, are you the oddball of the family? Maybe that was a think it moment, Ash. Also, if she thinks that she's the normal one, and everyone else is odd, then she is probably the odd one. It's true. I used to think a lot of people were weird for things, and then I found out I was weird. That's what happens when you become an adult. When you move out of small-town Iowa, you find out, oh... Not everyone's like me. Yeah, not everyone shoots literal cannons at the 4th of July. Apparently that's weird. We then change scenes outside in the city. We see a bubbling dirt water and a bunch of grimers swimming into a pipe. We then All right, I'm going to go on a tangent here. I'm sorry to cut you off, Tyler. Um, I didn't put this in notes, but I was just thinking of something. So you know how there are people in Pokemon who like Pokemon, but they're like, Generation 1 has the best Pokemon, and they'll, like, bash Pokemon from other generations. Right, yeah. And one thing that came to mind with this whole Grimers going in, like, Grimer is a pretty sad-looking Pokemon. Yeah, there's a lot of really lame Pokemon in Generation 1. I've never understood why some people would argue that. Yeah, I know it's what we grew up with, nostalgia, but one of the biggest pokemon that gets really like people oh this is stupid is trubbish right who, yeah who who is just a trash bag but then you look at grimer who is just a pile of sludge and when he evolves he just evolves into a larger pile of sludge right it's a pretty lame pokemon there's a lot of lame pokemon in this generation like pidgey that's a lame pokemon weedle lame yeah so and don't get me wrong i love generation one and it's a it's the Pokemon I grew up with, but I guess, you know, being a lifelong Pokemon fan, I enjoy Pokemon from every generation. Yeah, absolutely. But that's just my tangent. Like, when I saw Grimer, I'm just like, oh, come on. This is just as bad as Trubbish. Or another one that gets a bad rap is Vanillish because it's just a v ice cream cone. I love Vanillish. What the heck is wrong with people? I didn't know people didn't like that. Yeah. It, the ones I see the main is Trubbish, Vanillish, and then uh, Klefki, because it's just a key. But I also really like Klefki. I like Klefki, too. I had the evolved form of Klefki, which was called, uh, I can't remember. 
I can't honestly remember what that one's called either, so. Wow, we've had a moment where Jeff didn't get a piece of Pokemon trivia. Mark your calendars, everybody. This does not happen often. But yeah, okay, now we can continue now that I'll get down off my soapbox. Okay. So anyway, we see these really lame Generation 1 Pokemon called Grimer swimming into a pipe. We then see that they have plugged the water intake and shut down power to the city. Meowth comments that without power, there will be no air. He comments that Jesse and James aren't going to like that. I would assume so, Meowth, because they won't be able to breathe. Meowth begins to panic and wonder what to do as we see Jesse and James struggling to breathe in their suits because apparently they didn't think to just bring air tanks like normal people. Like, they have the... I should specify, they have air tanks on their back, but they don't have, like, the masks to actually feed the air into them. So it's this whole ridiculous-looking setup. Back at the Pokemon Center, we see Nurse Joy looking on in despair at her Pokemon in intensive care. Without power, they will die. Ash and Misty gives her a hard time telling her to do something, and Brock chimes in with that there is nothing that she can do without power. They then run out of the Pokemon Center on a mission to restore the power. So, with how important Pokemon Centers are in this world, you would think they would have a backup generator like hospitals do? They should absolutely have a backup generator, yes. Because, I mean, you wouldn't want your Pokemon Center to go down in a natural disaster. Or, you know, someone blows it up. Right, that too. Ash. Ash. Outside, we see that Ash and his party have stopped at the police station. The officer says that she is trying to figure out what is going on. She points out the power plant, and before they can head there, we see Pikachu hobble out of the bushes. He wants to come along because apparently he is afraid that he will be left behind. Ash says he can come and hugs him. He promptly shocks Ash. So, again, this nurse is not doing great at her job. She complains that they're in too late because, you know, God forbid she'd do her job and help uh, injured Pokemon. And also, Pikachu seems to be the only Pokemon she has that can actually move around, and somehow he got away from her. <laughs> That's a valid point. That's actually like, a good one. Because he is the only mobile Pokemon. Yeah, like, you see, like, a Growlithe and a Sandshrew, and they are, like, in covered... Like, containers, because they're, like, hooked up to respiratory devices and, like, you know, barely hanging on here. So none of those other Pokemon were going anywhere. Also, why would Pikachu think Ash was going to leave him? What? I mean, I think Ash has proven that he may not be the smartest person in the, on the planet, but he really does care for his Pokemon. Yeah, there was some really flawed logic in this scene, let's be honest. And there's a lot of flawed logic in a lot of the episodes, so... uh I'm not too incredibly shocked by all of this. Also, I want to point out, Jeff, that both and I, as former classroom teachers, know full well uh, that when you identify the one uh, problem kid that's a flight risk, you focus on them. I feel like <laughs> Nurse Joy probably should have seen Pikachu and been like, oh, he's the only mobile one in the entire group. I should probably keep an eye on him. So just going back to what you said before, because that was a valid point. Yeah, this is a terrible sure. Nurse Joy. We then see Team Rocket, and it appears that Jesse and James have survived to annoy everyone another day. They're gasping for breath as Meowth informs them that about the power failure. James says that he knows all about failure. Ha, huh, that's kind of a sad pun. You know, James is like, oh, I know all about failure after Meowth says there's a power failure. You get it. You, you get the gist. Yeah. 
Just then, Meow spots Ash in his party. He says that they still have a chance to steal Pikachu because he has a secret weapon that is Meowth-proof. So, I want to mention something that was weird about this scene, and that was when Meowth was talking about stealing Pikachu, he was wearing a nurse's outfit. Yeah, I didn't... I, I caught that and just kind of chose to blow past it. Yeah, and this was one of those untranslatable puns from the Japanese version. Uh, this pun involves the word fuku, which means having the meanings of clothes and fortune, and nasu, which means to change into, and nasu, which means nurse, sounding similar to each other. Oh. Yeah, so okay. it was a pun. It was a pun about the word nurse, which is why Meowth was in a nurse's outfit because this word for nurse and the word that means changing into like new clothes sound the same. So Meowth changed into a nurse's outfit. Okay. That makes sense. We then change scenes back to the power plant and see Ash and his party standing outside. They head in and don't see anyone. They walk around and comment how weird it is. Just then Missy says that she heard something, but Ash doesn't believe her and calls her a chicken. However, they then all hear something behind Ash, and he freaks out. Misty promptly calls him a coward. Pikachu then begins to freak out as a Magnemite slowly rises up behind him. Yeah, and in this moment, like, everyone's, like, screaming and everything, and then Pikachu starts freaking out, and Ash is like, Shh! Be quiet, Pikachu! Which is kind of rude of Ash at this moment to tell Pikachu to be quiet after they were all yelling about it. Ash shows a lot of rude behavior in every single episode. You know, I think I mentioned this in episode one, Jeff, but my youngest brother, Alex, who was probably six when this show came out, he used to call Ash A-S-S because he couldn't pronounce the word correctly. I'm thinking he was more spot on than we had initially given him credit for. Yes, for sure. And I believe you did tell that story on our very first episode. I did, yes. I I recall that. All right, well, after everyone is freaking out about, you know, Magnemite showing be up behind them, it goes into a commercial break. So that means we are going to go into our Who's That Pokemon segment. Who's That Pokemon? All right, our Who's That Pokemon for this week is, his name is in the title, and it is Magnemite, who in Japanese is known as Coil. Uh, Magnemite is number 81 in the Pokedex, and he is an electric and steel type. Though, when this episode aired, he was just an electric type. Steel type hasn't been, hadn't been invented yet. He is one foot tall, and he weighs 13.2 pounds, and he is known as the Magnet Pokemon. And he evolves into Magneton at level 30. Alright, some origin about Magnemite. His name... Magnemite may be a play on magnetite. It may also be a combination of magnet or magnetite and mite, referring to its small size. Its Japanese name coil is literally coil, perhaps referring to the fact that a coil with electric current generates a magnetic field. And what is magnemite based off of? Magnemite seems to be based on a magnet. Who would have thunk it? I never would have thunk it, Jeff. It may also be based on the, all right, I'm going to, lots of big words here. It may also be based on the objectification of electromagnetism, one of the four fundamental interactions of nature. Jeff, I feel like we should give you an honorary doctorate for saying that. We'll call you Dr. Walker. Why, thank you. Um, 
I guess I didn't research what the other three fundamental interactions of nature were, but magnetism is one of them, or electromagnetism is one of them. All right, Magnemite's biology. Magnemite is a seemingly robotic Pokemon that has a gray spherical metal body with a blue and red tipped horseshoe magnets on each side and a single large eye. It has three Phillips head screws on its body, two near the bottom of its body and the one on top of its head that looks similar to an antenna. The two bottom screws serve no noticeable purpose, although they may be its feet as the Pokédex identifies a footprint similar to that of the screw's head. Even though Magnemite and its evolved form are mechanical creatures, the anime has shown that it has emotions and a way of reproducing. It has even exhibited the need to eat, although its main form of nutrients is electrical currents. It is commonly found in locations such as power plants or caves with a strong magnetic field. Despite its modern artificial appearance, Magnemite has been depicted in carvings discovered at the ruins of Alf and have been present in Az's retelling of the Kalos War, indicating it has existed for at least 3,000 years. It's a pretty old Pokemon. Yeah. Uh, some Pokedex entries about Magnemite. Po Red and Blue says, Uses anti-gravity to stay suspended, appears without warning, and uses Thunder Wave and similar moves. I'm pretty sure later on in the episode it comes up that nobody actually knows how how uh, they stay suspended. So the decks should probably share that information with the Pokemon world. Yeah, it's so interesting how they do have a Pokedex, but it just like decides to spout one random bit of information. And like it, it's like well, you, you can just discover the other stuff. Yeah, it kind of wants to keep the mystery about things. Yeah, Pokemon Ruby says... Magnemite attaches itself to power lines to feed on electricity. If your house has a power outage, check your circuit breakers. You may find a large number of this Pokemon cleaning to the breaker box. So, you know, if you look at, like, how we are now, you know, think, you know, something's happening and you see, like, a mouse down in your basement or something. Can you imagine going down to your basement and finding a Magnemite? I would be pretty excited about that, not gonna lie. Not super excited about the mouse thing, though. Okay. But it's like, it's just weird thinking, like, these creatures like this just exist. Like, this thing that could shock you so badly is just an animal out there in the world. Right, yeah, the Pokemon world is terrifying. I feel like that's kind of been a running theme on this show. Yes, for sure. Uh, Pokemon Emerald states, the units at its side are extremely powerful magnets. They generate enough magnetism to draw in iron objects from over 300 feet away. Pokemon Sun says, They gather in places where electricity is available. They can be found clinging to the steel towers used to support power lines. Uh, Pokemon Ultra Sun says, it's frequently the cause of power outages, which is why some power plants send out electrical signals that it can't stand. Man, I wish this power plant should have done that. Yeah, well, this, I guess. <laughs> yeah, this power plant really should have done that. Uh, and then Pokemon Sword says, at times, Magnemite runs out of electricity and ends up on the ground. If you give batteries to a grounded Magnemite, it'll start moving again. Alright, some trivia about Magnemite. In the Pokemon Red and Blue beta, Magnemite was originally known as Coil, which was derived from its Japanese name. 
And then the last piece of trivia is Magnemite in its evolved form were the first Pokemon to ever change typing with the progress of generations. So Magnemite got its steel typing when we went to generation two and other generation one Pokemon would become fairy type, but not till much later. All right, and that is our Who's That Pokemon segment. Who's That Pokemon? Upon seeing a Magnemite slowly rise up behind Pikachu, Ash pulls out the decks and explains that Magnemite is a magnet Pokemon and that nobody can explain how it floats through the air. It also says that it is an electric-type Pokemon. Well, Ash, you fool, and all the scientists in this world, maybe you should just ask the decks how it floats in the air, because apparently, it already knows that. Misty, being her usual self, then explains that Magnemite must have caused the power failure. But Ash says that he will capture it before Misty says it doesn't want to fight. Uh, to be fair, do most wild Pokemon want to fight before they are captured? No, it's definitely a very kidnappy type process. Yeah, most trainers are just going around and disrupting these Pokemon that are doing no ho harm. Also, I love that you bring, you know, that we, like, the Pokedex doesn't know what keeps it in the air. Though the one Pokedex that tells us is from Red and Blue, which came out before the anime, so they did know by this time anyway. Oh yeah, they definitely knew. Well, the decks knew anyway. Magnemite ben then begins to float around Pikachu, seemingly in love with it. Wow, I really messed up that sentence. So Magnemite is floating around Pikachu in circles, like longingly. And Ash comments that it is like a streaker or something, and Brock tells him that he means a stalker. And I think Ash should listen to Brock on this, because Brock would definitely know about stalkers, wouldn't he? Yeah, it takes one to know one. Takes one to know one. Pikachu, however, doesn't seem thrilled, and Ash tells Magnemite to cut it out. Magnemite takes off and runs away. Just then, they notice a stench, and a bunch of Grimer falls from the vent and the ceiling. Ash pulls out the Dex, and it explains that Grimer is a sludge Pokemon that is born from sludge and specializes in sludge attacks. Ash says they stink and they get mad. Suddenly, a Muck appears... And the Dex explains that Muck is actually Grimer's evolved form and that it is poisonous. As what I would do in this situation, they all run away from the Grimer and Muck that, ch that are chasing them. They eventually run into some employees and they all run into the control room after narrowly escaping with their lives. And Jeff, I, need to s I, I really need to start working out or something because I would have died several times in this series from not being able to survive the chase. Like, I would have been running down that hall with those Pokemon chasing me, gotten five feet and be like, all right, uh, the good Lord can just take me at this point. Like, I'm not running any <laughs> further. Once in the control room, Ash tells the employees that they need to get their power running or a bunch of Pokemon will die in the ICU. So, I feel like these employees should be more concerned that they, these kids are running around the electric plant without any supervision. Yeah, I kind of thought of that too, but then my other thought was there's already some pretty wild stuff going on. This is probably the least wild thing they've encountered that day. And, you know, at the beginning of the episode when I stated that I was going to tell you what the episode title in Japanese means? Right. So, another fun fact about this part of the episode is the Japanese title is a reference to the sci-fi novel Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Interesting. So, that's why the Japanese title is Do Coil Dream of Electric Mice. So, it's based off of this title. 
Uh, also, when we get to Generation 2 Pokemon, this is also what Mareep, is, Mareep and Flaffy are based off of. Okay, interesting. This, this sci-fi novel, well, the name of the sci-fi. Uh, and I don't think they're given names in the English version, but in the Japanese version, the names of the two power plant workers were Dick and Philip, and they are named after the author of the book, Philip K. Dick. Ah, I love Philip Dick. He actually does have some legit books. If you see Man in the High Castle, he wrote that. All right, so yeah, so I I think there's a show about that, right? Yes. Okay. Well, he also wrote the book Do Andrews Dream of Electric Sheep, so now you know. Interesting, interesting. The employees say that they don't know what to do. He says that Grimer are plugging the seawater intake... And just then, the Grimers start trying to bust down the door, and Brock tries to hold it, and then the others try to help him, but it doesn't work. They burst into the room, and the employees tell them to use their Pokemon, which seems obvious. Ash says that Pikachu is sick, but he is their only hope. And it appears at this point that he has completely forgotten that he has a whole bunch of other Pokemon he could pick. Yeah, it's like the Butterfree situation all over again. It's true. Like, he's like, they're like, use your Pokemon. Save the date. He's like, but Pikachu's sick. What about Charmander, Jeff? What about Bulbasaur? What about Pidgeotto? Is it Pidgeotto or Pidgey at this point? Pidgeotto. Pidgeotto. Okay. And I mean, what about Squirtle? What about Squirtle? There's all these other Pokemon that he could throw out. And he's just like, Pikachu, you're sick. Guess you got to save the whole town. Pikachu uses Thunderbolt on these uh, Grimer that are busting through the door, and this knocks one of them, but there are too many. Fortunately, at this moment, a bunch of Magnemite and Magneton come bursting through the vents. They shock the Grimer, and they take off. This restores the power somehow. So they're not actually blocking any, like, water intake valve at this point. They're just flooding into a room. But after Pikachu shocks them, the power comes back on. I guess we shouldn't question it because we're not going to have a bunch of dead Pokemon in the ICO on our hands right now, Jeff. I guess. Pikachu and Magnemite then both shock Muck, so Muck is the remaining Pokemon, and this knocks it out. Ash throws a Pokeball and actually successfully catches it. They then all begin to gag because apparently the smell comes through the Pokeball. This also cures Pikachu as apparently he just had a buildup of electricity that was causing his cold. Magnemite then no longer cares about Pikachu. Apparently, he only loved Pikachu because of all this, all of his magnetized force from being full of electricity. After this is explained, they all laugh. Just then, Team Rocket shows up with a giant magnet and a submarine and tries to capture Pikachu, thinking that he is still magnetized. This, of course, fails, and they suck up all the Magnemite, causing their sub to sink. And they are now gone. Yes, this this episode really does wrap up this, like, quickly. Like, it's a whole bunch of, like, successive scenes like this just going on. We are then forced to suffer through an emotional scene where Ash and his party are thanked for saving the day. Missy tells them that they should clean up the ocean so this doesn't happen again. The town people all agree that they will. Because, Jeff, it apparently they never thought of just, you know, cleaning up to save their entire city. Uh, there is one thing that did concern me about this scene, and it's that Nurse Joy goes, she was inspired by Ash and, you know, not by another nurse in her field, by this 10-year-old boy. This 10-year-old boy who's been exceedingly rude to her and everyone else in this town. But he inspired her. Oh, he's an inspiration. 
Ash and his party then leave the city as heroes. Before the episode ends, we see Professor Oak receiving Ash's new Pokemon. He gags at the scent and yells, Yuck! To be continued, then comes across the screen. And that is our episode, and it's not my favorite episode, for sure. It had good bones until about the last, like, five or ten minutes, and then you could tell that the writers got to that point where, like, we don't know what we're going to do with this anymore. Let's just wrap this bad boy up. Yeah, I mean, it has a good message, you know, making sure that you keep the air and water clean. Otherwise, your town's going to end up like Gringy City. Or Sioux City. Or, or Sioux City. Um, but also, it is cool that Ash got to catch another Pokemon. And actually, you know, Muck claims to be one of my favorites on his team, even though you rarely see Muck. But he has a, he's full personality. And I really wish they would have just let him be on Ash's team and not done the whole it still smells through the Pokeball. Right, that would have been interesting. Yeah, so as we go on, we will see Muck. Most of the time when Ash calls Professor Oak, we'll see Muck. Muck will have, like, he'll love Professor Oak. But if you want to tell us what you thought of the episode, make sure you tweet us at Pokemon Snapshot or email us at thepokemonsnapshot at gmail.com. And Tyler, do you have anything else to add for this episode? No, I think that's about all that I've got. I'm glad that I could lure Ingalls Wilder our way into this episode this week. Yes, that was, I, I really wish I could have seen this. But please, tune in next week when we are going to watch the next episode, Dig Those Diglet. I think I'm really going to dig this episode, Jeff. <laughs>